0: All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called E-Mission, and E-Mission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit Techneepfmc.com.
1: Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil & Gas Upstream Podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen.
0: Welcome to Oil & Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil & Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE about a year ago and founded a small consultancy and became a podcast host. Before I introduce my guest though, I want to thank Technip FMC for sponsoring this podcast. And I want to ask you to do me a big favor by answering a one question survey. It takes about 10 seconds and the link is in the show notes below. In return, we will happily send you some stickers for your laptop or your hard hat or your friends. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, Doug Below, Strategia Innovation and Technology Advisors. Hi, Doug. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Hello, Elena. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. (laughs)
0: Yes, thanks for joining us. Doug is president, as I said, of Strategia Innovation and Technology Advisors. He's senior vice president for Peary technologies at the University of Wyoming and chairman of the editorial advisory board for World Oil Magazine. Prior to Strategia, Doug was Chief Geologist and Director of Unconventional Technology for Hess Corporation. He's held various management and geoscience and engineering positions with ConocoPhillips, Burlington Resources, Maxis, BHP Billiton, Monsanto, and Gulf Oil. He has served as the Geoscience Operations Manager, Global Exploration Coordinator, Corporate Risk and Strategic Planning, and Deepwater and Shelf Exploration region, Regional Lead. His professional affi- affiliations include a lifetime of service, including American Association of Petroleum Geologists, Society of Exploration Geophysicists, Society of Professional Engineers, and the Houston Geologic Society. Doug is a certified petroleum geologist registered in the state of Texas and a certified AAPG petroleum geologist. He's published papers on geomechanical drilling risks, development of multipay geopressured fields, use of geopressure in prediction of hydrocarbon migration, and using microseismic to illuminate reservoir depletion. He co-developed an analytical protocol for a shale gas analysts' analysis for which a U.S. patent was awarded. Doug currently serves as the AAPG representative on the ERTEC Management Committee. He's a member of the ERTEC Executive Advisory Board and a member of the Technical Program Committee. Doug, thank you again. What a resume. Thank you for joining us on the show today.
1: I'm very happy to be here, and you, you make me sound uh, so wonderful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you are so wonderful. Absolutely. So, 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 Doug, tell us, how did you get into the oil and gas business?
1: Well, um, while I was at uh, university, I was actually uh, going to be a, um, an architect major. And uh, when I got to the university, they said I had to have all these science uh, courses uh, as part of the requirements, and um, uh, the only thing they had left was geology. Uh, so I, t- I took my first geology course, and uh, it was pretty cool, and uh, so I took a second geology course on the on, as an elective, and that was pretty cool, and before you knew it, I had taken more geology uh, and math classes than I, I, I had architecture, so I, I changed my major. <laughs> <laughs>
0: absolutely and, absolutely
1: uh, yeah I got uh, I got um, uh, hired right out of university uh, to go to work for golf oil in Houston and uh, 46 years later I'm uh, still in the business
0: still in the business I wonder why I mean it's a wonderful um, industry so I'm I'm uh, Happy that you stayed with us. You've made so many contributions. I mean, World Oil Magazine is, you know, not too shabby. We all read it, right? So thank you for for all of that insight. So um, some of our listeners are not subject matter experts, and this is about Uh, upstream so so share with us in a simple way what part of upstream you're involved in and kind of where it where it ends traditionally for you for geologists but obviously you have lots of contributions that you've been making so a lot of work a lot of publications and like so you can you can kind of but I guess the bottom line is it's it is all one thing but you know there are specialty areas so talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, in the broad sense, uh, since, since we're talking about upstream, you know, we should be aware that there, there's actually three three facets in the uh, petroleum uh, or, or basically the energy business: upstream, midstream, and downstream. And the easy way to think about it is upstream is all about uh, hunting and gathering uh, of of, of the resource. You're out there exploring, uh, drilling, finding it, uh, and, and producing it. Uh, but then the midstream part of the business picks up what you've produced, and they, they move it uh, to, uh, from point A to point B. So that's the transportation side uh, via either uh, trucks uh, rail or uh, pipelines. Uh, pipelines being the uh, absolute safest way to transport any of these uh, uh, hydrocarbon products. And then downstream is the uh, refining uh, aspect, not just refining for, uh, for fuel, for cars and jets and things like that, but also for uh, the creation of products for the agricultural industry, fertilizers, petrochemicals, uh, people don't actually realize that there's over 6,000 products that uh, are derived from petroleum uh, that fuel fund our, uh, fuel our, our uh, society. And um, if you tried to actually go a day without any petroleum product, you, uh, you'd be walking around naked. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Synthetic fibers, absolutely. That's right. All those specialty fabrics that we use for extreme sports, I mean, they're born here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anything plastic? Uh, your uh, your your Tesla vehicles out there are uh, largely uh, plastic. They're petroleum based, and uh, much to the chagrin of of environmentalists. But yeah, that's that's the reality. But uh, to me, the, one of the main things is uh, agriculture, uh, and the uh, creation of uh, fertilizers uh, is is derived from uh, hydrocarbons, and uh, without. Without that, uh, the world would uh, be in famine. So,
0: absolutely. Okay. Well, you're a petroleum geologist, so give us a little feel for what is the you know what do petroleum geologists do, and and then uh, maybe in that. Um, when you're talking about that, you can move into some of the more technical aspects for our subject matter experts. So we also have those in the audience as well. So we try to have a little something for everybody.
1: A little something, yes. Yeah, well, of course, uh, fundamental petroleum geology uh, is is about uh, – <clears throat> there's so many aspects of, of, of it um, – as I mentioned earlier, you're 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 mostly going to be uh, as a petroleum geologist, you'd be hunting for a potential resource, uh, and and you use all the tools available to you. Um, you know, walking walking the outcrops uh, in the field, banging on rocks with your hammers, all the way to e- evaluating satellite uh, imagery and uh, using satellites to understand the gravity and magnetic fields to uh, find. Uh, areas where resources, uh, would be hidden. Uh, it's very costly to extract, uh, these resources. A typical onshore well may, may cost, uh, you know, multiple millions of dollars. And if you're in an offshore, uh, environment, uh, you, you raise that to, uh, uh hundreds of millions of dollars and, uh, the development, if you make a discovery, then the, uh, petroleum geologist is charged with developing the field that is drilling as many wells as is efficiently necessary to extract the resource and um, it's quite common particularly in an offshore environment for a development project to exceed uh, uh, one two sometimes three or four billion dollars so it's a huge uh investment and it's a long-term type thing it's not just instantaneous. Um, So the petroleum geologist uh, as I say works uh, to find the resource using a multitude of tools uh, in this toolbox. Uh, He works with uh, in a team environment which is very critical with a geophysicist who will help understand and illuminate what's below the ground. Uh, and work with uh, reservoir engineers to understand the most efficient way to uh, produce uh, the product. And the reservoir engineers rely very much on the geologists to describe uh, the deposit and its physical uh, properties of the rock and so that they can model how best to extract it.
0: Great. And so talk to us about some of your, um technologies that you've been involved in developing now for you know SMEs, um, you have a patent, you've, you're part of the Peary Technologies at University of Wyoming. Talk to us a little bit about some of that.
1: Yeah, so um, so the, the, the patent was around uh, trying to predict the, uh, the, uh, the shale uh, oil and shale gas, Resource potential. These now we're talking about unconventional. So, you know, There's two types of deposits uh, for petroleum. There's conventional, uh, and then there's unconventional. Um, the conventional ones are are basically uh, underground resources that have uh, formed into uh, traps through a process called buoyancy, uh, where you know oil tends to be lighter in density than. Uh, than water, so it floats on water, and so it tends to rise to the highest points in uh, subsurface structures. Uh, unconventional resources kind of buck that trend, and sometimes the uh, the hydrocarbon resource is actually below water, and uh, but typically it's because the rock quality is so poor that uh, it just geologic geologically it hasn't had time to escape into uh, a conventional trap. So, because the reservoirs are such poor quality, and that's uh, typically expressed in terms of porosity and permeability, as well as the uh, fluid properties itself, like viscosity, um, the uh, patent was all about a technique to to model and some equations that uh, actually accurately predict uh, the ability to produce those reservoirs in, the, in those challenged environments. Um, the, uh, the stuff that I, that I work with with Perry technology has to do with uh, imaging uh, of the pore space. Um, sp- specifically for those uh, SMEs out there, uh, we, we do at the lab, we do uh, two-phase and three-phase uh, fluid flow experiments. Uh, in unconventional rock uh, while simultaneously monitoring it with a CT scan. So we, we do uh, at the macro, micro, and uh, nano level. And then recently we've uh, acquired an um, environmental transmission electron microscope, which allows us to uh, go down to the atomic level Uh, on looking at the pore structures of these unconventional reservoirs. And the cool thing about an environmental transmission microscope is that it does not require a vacuum. Therefore, we can actually do uh, live fluid um, and rock face interaction experiments at the atomic level. And all of this is around trying to understand the physics of fluid flow through nano. Darcy uh, rock nano is being uh, uh, an expression of the uh, permeability or the ability to flow. So that's so. That's so what when you said that,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and just to just to help me. Um, so when you say you don't require a vacuum and you are able to observe the flow, so is the flow at um, in situ conditions? Is it at pressure yeah. temperature?
1: That's one of the other things that, uh, that our lab is unique for. It's the only laboratory in the world uh, that actually can do all these uh, dynamic flow experiments in real reservoir rock. Uh, the clients will give us core from their reservoir, so we use that, uh, and we are capable of putting it all under reservoir temperature and pressure uh, while simultaneously monitoring the, the, the dynamic flow. So we do an awful lot of uh, well, of course, the electron microscope that I mentioned because that's uh, does not require a vacuum. We can take that to um, uh, possibly not always to reservoir conditions of pressure and temperature, but we can uh, get close under the electron microscope. One of the one of the experiments that we we're, we're running uh, currently is around the. Um, uh, offshore pipeline uh, asphaltine uh, precipitation. Um, when we studied that in the lab, we, we discovered that it, the asphaltine particles tend to flocculate uh, starting in the nano range and then, and then build up like, like a snowballs. Uh, and so we're actually doing uh, fluid flow experiments uh, inducing the creation of these asphaltines Watching it under the electron microscope, and then introducing certain um, uh, certain chemistries and certain techniques in order to actually block the uh, the ability for the asphaltines to form. So we're we're doing some studies along that that we hope will uh, help the offshore industry. So,
0: absolutely. When you think about you know a precipitation and you think about the very small pore throats. Um, And unconventional reservoirs, you start to think about the geochemistry and just how sensitive it is to how how sensitive the reservoir uh, can be to whatever you inject, you know, uh, and and it's dynamic in terms of uh, temperature and pressure as well as fluid type and and the mixture of fluids and all that. It's like you, you just have it's amazing that we can get anything out of an unconventional reservoir with so many dynamics going on.
1: Well yeah it, it is it is quite interesting. I mean we are we are doing an awful lot of uh of work on enhanced oil recovery and improved oil recoveries uh, through fractured uh reservoirs. You know, we're studying uh you know, cyclic huff and puff uh type uh EUR on uh things like the uh, the Bakken shales and and the uh, the Eagle Ford uh carbonaceous shale and so we're doing a lot of those things we're also but we're also um you know doing a lot of stuff internationally we're we're helping out uh, in some middle eastern reservoirs uh, with companies over there trying to to uh help for instance in the middle east they they have a tremendous amount of shale uh, resources but they're extremely deep and extremely hot and uh, so you know we're working on you know what car- sort of chemical stability Surfactants could be used to to help uh, out on that. So, yeah, we're 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 involved in all sorts of um, of uh, you know kind of leading edge uh, aspects of of reservoir dynamics, and uh, you know the geology comes into play because it's all about it's all about the uh, interaction of the different mineral species with actually the fluids that are in there and, uh, surface tension, how we break that surface tension as efficiently as possible. So.
0: And so you said deep and hot. So that makes me think of geothermal. Is there some, uh, potential applications in that direction or, you know, especially with the enhanced geothermal system?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, you know, traditionally people think geothermal, geothermal you're restricted to areas of, uh, of, uh, you know, shallow thermal activity, uh, you know, think of uh, volcanics and earthquake areas. So there's, there's uh, for, for geothermal, uh, traditionally, it's been a very uh, challenging uh, scenario. Um, you know, the, the best example of a successful geothermal would be in Iceland, uh, where they have huge geothermal plants, and they get most of their power from geothermal, but they're also sitting right on the uh, mid-Atlantic rift. So they're always subject to, you know, those sort of risks and dangers. But the idea of what's called enhanced geothermal now is actually borrowing techniques from the uh, hydrocarbon industry where we've been drilling long reach horizontal wells with multi-stage completions uh, and pad drilling and uh, saying, hey, can't we uh, do something like that in geothermal where the earth is still relatively warm, but you know, you don't necessarily have to drill next to magma, and you uh, you drill these long horizontal wells, and maybe you uh, actually borrow from the coalbed methane industry, where you can drill two horizontal wells towards each other and actually intersect and and hook them up, uh, and so you could create a a basically a loop uh, where you pump in some fluid in inject fluid, it goes down to the ground, heats up comes back up the other side, goes through a heat exchanger to drive a turbine, and then you keep recycling it. Um, the big challenge is that, um, for enhanced geothermal, is that that uh, near wellbore heat source, uh, each time you cycle through it, it, it depletes the heat source slightly, and the length of time it takes to heat back up maybe takes a little longer than you'd like. So, um there's still some challenges in that area, but that is that's where the research is right now and a lot of it is in the uh, in the in the fluids that you're pumping in and uh, and and what you're looking for is low boiling point fluids so that you don't need a lot of heat to actually get them to boil and drive steam so yeah yeah
0: yeah excellent so the the skills that we have in oil and gas sector are able to be part of the um, all of the above you know that includes um uh geothermal and um you know that's wonderful and including uh, carbon storage we've you know we've we've observed that as well so yeah so yeah. so doug you've also um have been part of the advice, editorial advisory board for world oil magazine what is that like what how did you get into that how long have you been doing that
1: Well, let's see. I think I've been doing, uh, been on the board for um, about ten years, maybe a little longer. Uh, And uh, uh, I I got on the board as as just a board member initially uh, when I was at uh, Hess Corporation. And uh, uh, our our mandate as the board is is basically it's a cross section of. of Professionals in the energy business uh, world is World Oil used to be World Oil magazine. Now they're all digital, so as they just call it World Oil. But um,
0: <clears throat> oh, that explains that because I thought, why didn't he say magazine? Okay, well,
1: yeah, yeah, they don't oh, actually electronic publish magazine. a paper magazine anymore.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm um,
1: with it. Yeah, but uh, it's a cross section of, of uh, subject matter experts uh, and leaders in the industry uh, uh, for both um, onshore and offshore uh, and international. Uh, you know, I have a couple of board members that are uh, uh, in Aberdeen and uh, in Norway, and uh, we basically are available to the uh, the editor in chief to uh, critique uh, and help edit uh, content that, that comes into the magazine. Um, we also, uh, uh, are charged with, with writing op-eds ourselves, um, to publish, um, throughout the year. So, uh, you know, that's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I've, and, uh, I'm, I'm honored to, to now be the chairman of the board. Uh, the, uh, oh, former cool. chairman, uh, who had been there for, for many, many, many years decided to retire. And, um, I, I think I was I was the only one that said said yes. Everybody else said no. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you step you step forward and they all step back. So that's, no, right. that's great. That's great. Well, wonderful. Yep. Yeah, with your deep experience and everything. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's 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 fun and it it it, uh, it uh, you know keeps keeps pretty ac- keep me pretty active and uh, I get to a lot of meet meet a lot of people. Uh, uh, across the industry, and it's, uh, it's it's quite wonderful. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, keeping active is part of what keeps you young, I think. You have a lifetime of volunteer services to the who's who of the oil and gas sector, um, professional societies and the like, and and you're uh, with um, the Tech, the Unconventional Resources Technology Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us something about that world for us.
1: Yeah, so Airtech uh, 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 was founded in 2013, and I was uh, lucky enough to got roped in um, you know, <laughs> uh, for that very first conference, and I've I've been with the ever since. Um, the uh, The Airtech, uh, as you say, it's the unconventional resource technology conference. It's it's uh, I kind of think of it as the onshore technology conference versus OTC, the oh, offshore technology yeah. conference. It's it's, it's mm. similar, but it's focused more on the onshore which is uh dominated really by uh the unconventionals these days and um and and oddly enough uh the techniques that have been developed uh through unconventional um, exploration uh, as i mentioned earlier the uh, the long reach uh, horizontal wells uh, like in the bakken you drill uh, basically two miles vertical straight down and then you turn and you drill horizontally two more miles. And, um, and then you have multiple completions that you can run in that up to up to 70, uh, completions. So one horizontal well can, can take up, uh, replace as many as 50 to 70, uh, vertical wells. So it's, you know, really environmentally much friendlier. But, um, as the, uh, uh, tech It's it's also an international uh, event, and it's uh, it's really focused on the latest science and technology that you can apply to the uh, exploration, the development, the production of these resources, and uh, in in and we also touch a bit on the midstream in terms of uh, basically license to operate. That is, you know, how do you efficiently transport things? Uh, you know, methane reduction. Uh, we get into uh, uh, a little bit of geothermal and CCUS at uh, at Urtec, uh, although AABG is now f- formed a, a its own CCUS, its a, you know carbon capture utilization uh, conference. But uh, but we do touch about a little bit on in in Urtec. The other thing that, that's kind of really um, special about Urtec and makes it stand out as a premier conference is that it is uh, founded by th- three organizations that typically uh, don't play well with each other, <laughs> but have ama- had amazing relationships now. It's the AAPG, American Association of Petroleum Geologists, which I represent on the uh, executive committee. Uh, we have uh, the SPE, that's the Society of uh, Petroleum Engineers, uh, and they have a representative on the management committee, and the SEG, the Society of Exploration Geophysicists, and they have a, a, a member. So there's, there's three of us along with a, a business director uh, from the ERTEC organization, and we form the executive committee uh, for IRTEC. And uh, the three societies together uh, are, are, have established IRTEC because what we want is people to uh, come to your tech and talk about uh, their their latest and greatest uh, discoveries, uh, case studies, um, technologies that illustrate uh, the teamwork between geology, geophysics, and engineering. So we we actually have uh, one of our our themes that we have at your tech is called our operators forum. And this is where companies will come in. Uh, I I believe last year, uh, ConocoPhillips came in and basically did a a, a whole special session that showed all the aspects of what they had done to, to drill a horizontal well, how they had taken core in the horizontal well, how they had monitored its production. And basically, they showed everything about it in a... Technical exchange of information with everybody else, and uh, and so ConocoPhillips has done that. Uh, Pioneer Natural Resources has uh, has done that, um, and the, so so theme, theme one, our operators forum has been a, a real special treat at Urtec. Um, as I uh, said that the, there's the three primary or organizations that that sponsor Urtec and, and run it. We actually have seven other organizations that uh, are supporting and, and often have special sessions that we, we promote there. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll give you a list of the seven, seven oh, sure. societies yeah. that actually uh, uh, are, support us. Um, the American Rock Mechanics Association, ARMA, uh, the Society of Petrophysical and Well Log Analysts, (the what's called SPWLA, uh, the Society of Petroleum Evaluation Engineers, the Society of Mining, Metallurgy, and Exploration, the American Society of Civil Engineers, the Association of Iron and Steel Technology, and the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. So as you can see from that list of, of the seven supporting societies and the three organizing uh, societies this is a highly technical um, conference uh, and, and we have um, this year uh, we have around 300 uh, papers that will be presented and, uh, and we'll have multiple uh, panel discussions and um, special and several special sessions. Uh, we also have an exhibition hall, like many conferences do. And we have about 150 exhibitors that will be uh, showing their, their latest and greatest uh, uh, stuff. And um, we also have something uh, which we call uh, U-Pitch. And I believe on a previous podcast, you may have had a conversation with Susan Nash. With She AAPG. was my
0: first guest. Yes, yes. very yes. proud of that show. She's such a good guest, too. I, I so appreciate her, yes. So,
1: so Susan Susan runs our U-Pitch, uh, which is a, uh, an area that we have set aside in the exhibition hall where startups uh, or companies that uh, are looking to help be incubated uh, come and give us uh, give us your Shark Tank pitch, and uh, people in the audience can quiz them. and uh, And many times, uh, people who are sitting in on you pitch uh, may actually be uh, you know companies that would want to throw in some money, maybe get a piece of the action, uh, help fund the research, that sort of thing. And also, in you pitch. Uh, there's a a aspect of it where we reverse it and we ask uh, companies uh, oil companies to to come up and actually pitch back to the to the crowd uh, these are our our big challenges our grand challenges what can you guys do to help us out so that's uh that's what you pitch is all about and uh, it's pretty exciting
0: it is it's very exciting i i um I love URTEC. I've been there many times. I've presented. I've uh, brought speakers from the Department of Energy there, uh, um, facilitated panels. I mean, it's, it's just a great onshore, as you said, onshore uh, forum. And um, with the three societies, it's powerful. It's a powerful uh, experience. There's so much uh, to see and to and to learn there. So, yeah. Well, thank you for your your service and helping you know bring it together and and maturing it the way that it has matured. And and um, you said it's going to be when is it and where is it?
1: Okay. So uh, this this coming uh, tech conference will be in uh, Denver, Colorado, at the Denver Convention Center. Uh, it will be uh, June. 13th, 14th, and 15th, and uh, we uh, encourage everybody to go ahead and uh, plan to register. Registration should be open, um, certainly by February 1st. It should it should be open, and you can uh, find it uh, through the website uh So that's u uh, uh, r t e c dot o r g.
0: Great, great. Well, Doug, we are at we are at time, um, and I'm sorry this has been you know great conversation with you. I'd love to hear more. Um, but is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we close?
1: No, I I, I, I would just uh, say thank thank you for uh, for listening to uh, to Elena and I, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting as many uh, new folks at at your tech as possible uh, this June. And uh, again, appreciate uh, uh, having the time to uh, to chat about uh, geology, uh, geothermal, uh, you know, uh, period technology at the University of Wyoming, uh, and uh, and your tech.
0: Thank you, Doug. Doug Below of Strategia Innovation and Technology Advisors. Thanks so much for being our guest today and for sharing all about your contributions to Oil & Gas Upstream.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you'd like to hear more about on future podcasts. This is Elena Melkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time.
1: Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.